you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good, DJ. It's been a, I mean, look, the summer's coming to a close in terms of football summer. And so just gearing up. Training camp's a couple weeks away. Like, uh, we're in the middle of all these sports. Basketball is going. Baseball is going. I mean, it's a lot of fun. We had the... uh, the baseball draft that got going a couple of days ago. Uh, we are in uh, day three today as we're recording this of the MLB draft. 20 rounds, I think, right? We go 20 rounds in baseball. I mean, I don't know. I thought they'd just keep picking until they stop picking. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But um, we, we have some crossover stuff. We want to talk about that uh, as it relates to the NFL, some stuff we can learn. Um, a couple interesting conversations we're going to have today. I'm fired up about uh, opt-outs. If you thought opt-outs were over you know we've got we've kind of coming out of the pandemic and the restrictions have been eased and all the uncertainty we had last year we had a number of opt-out players uh as we're getting ready to kick off a college football season is there a chance we see some more um that's an interesting conversation so we're going to have that uh, in a little bit and also want to talk about what's exciting about a draft that's almost a year away is the unknown and it's the out of left field candidates and how many out of left field candidates you think we'll see in a first round of next year's draft we're gonna we're gonna look back in order to look forward so that'll be a fun conversation uh, as well but uh, first of all buck i'd love to get your thoughts did you pay any attention to the baseball draft did you get anything out of that oh my gosh i was all in it dj like all in it fell down the rabbit hole and just watched it all um and i think what's interesting is the first time that i've actually sat there and watched uh, an mlb draft and to hear the scouts throw out terms when they're describing the prospects, to me, is so vastly different than the way that we evaluate and maybe project uh, NFL prospects. I felt like when I was watching the MLB draft, hearing the scouts talk, it was so much more on technical stuff as opposed to the sheer height, weight, speed, raw athleticism, explosiveness that we tend to talk about when it comes to um the NFL. And so looking at it, looking at the numbers that they put out, like exit velocity, um, all of those things, they, they do talk about like the 60 time and that, but I felt like it's such like, it's so much more subjective because you have scouts breaking down, like hitting angle, how the hands are, those things where I don't feel like in football, we really talk about that. We spend a lot of time talking about like the athleticism, the stuff. We may dabble a little bit in technique, but it's more about the specimen, the body, what they're bringing to the table, the performance, the production, not as much about how that production was necessarily derived. Yeah, I think there is some uh, interesting parallels. And if you look at like a pass rusher, we talk about this when we're talking about rushers every year. You have your explosive, elite, athletic trait type pass rushers and then we have our skilled technicians i think baseball 
I think the skill, it's a skill sport, you know, yes. kind of like hockey is a skill sport to me. So they're going to lean a little bit more towards that. There's a lot more skilled players with minimal athleticism in, in pro baseball than there are great athletes with minimum skill level. Yes. It's just, you're not going to hang around. In the NFL, if you're a great athlete, maybe not, you know, big time elite skills, you can hang around and you for a long time in the league. So it, it's rewarded. Athleticism is a little more rewarded. Uh, when you get in the NFL. But I do think, obviously, you're talking about 17, 18-year-old kids, high school kids versus third-year college players in the in the NFL draft. So you've got a more uh, ready-made product um, that can come right into your professional level and play and impact that these guys in baseball are all going to minor leagues, and some of them are going to be four or five years away before they're, they're ready. I, I was talking to one of my buddies in, in MLB about the draft, and there was one uh, word that he used that I thought, man, this is a, it's a great word. It's a three letter word um, that, uh, that we don't ever use. I don't think I've ever heard this used in a scouting report for football, which is, he said, uh, he, this, this player has now power N O W now. So in other words, like we have to project some mm -hmm. other things with him. Like maybe it's a swing path or maybe yeah. it's, you know, whatever his pitch selection or his uh, pitch identification, all these different things. But like right now, that's major league power. Like it's ready to go right now. And I thought in football, maybe there are some things like like he's a he's a right now red zone threat. You know, like mm -hmm. he's a he's a right now short yardage guy. You know, there's something he comes in. He has a role right now. It's funny that you said that because I'm I'm looking at a text from one of my buddies, um, and then he said, "Look, the the major difference is." MLB scouts are projecting three and five years out instead of right now where DJ, we're looking really, we talk about three years determining whether a guy can play, but we need these guys to come in right away and play. So when you talk about the right now thing, that really dovetails into it. My buddy also talked about um, when it comes to it, he said like the scouting is so detailed in advance in terms of like guys go and watch a prospect. They stay in the minor leagues for like, three or four days watching the guy or they stay and watch them in college or watch them in high school, two, three days, really dig down and try and get a feel for who they are as people. And it made me think about our days on the road. Maybe we spend a day at the school doing all of that. Maybe we spend a weekend over the course of watching a game on a Thursday night or a Saturday, but we really don't dive that deep into a list kind of post up and really get to know who this one pro prospect is because we're thinking about so many different guys in our area. Um, and so my guy said, hey, it's kind of like a CIA level background mm -hmm. discovery when you're trying to find these guys. Like you really want to make, make sure that you know what makes them tick and how they get down in and around the team and those things. And I do believe there was a time where football was like that, I don't think it's necessarily like that now. I, I always tell prospects, I mean, we, we kind of have like a 36 to 48-hour window to determine if we really, really like you because that's really the face-to-face -face interaction. We don't really get a lot of that. You get the combine, the 15-minute interview. Maybe you bump into them at school, at the pro day. You have dinner and those things. It used to be you would have some guys come for a private workout or whatever the visit was. But, DJ, that's it. So mm -hmm. you fly blind a lot when it comes to it. Some of that has been changed though with Zoom, where we've had more conversation. But a lot of it is you pick guys blind. You really didn't know exactly what you were bringing to the organization. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they've known these kids, too, since their freshman year in high school. Like, they've been yeah. paying attention to those kids. They really, really monitor them and get to know them and their families starting at 14, 15 years of age, all the way up until they're seniors. And then some of these guys don't sign and go to college and spend three more years. Uh, so, I mean, they, they've been doing eight years worth of homework on a player before they pick them. Uh, I mean, they know everything about them. So that, that to me, is is an interesting difference. Other thing I thought, um, I, I was reading some reports on some of these guys that got picked, and it was, gosh, who was the team? Um, oh, I can't remember which team it was talking about. But it was a, a first-round pick. But basically, it was like this guy was all bat. Like, he was a average defender, average runner, um, but he was just a, a pure bat. And it said this year there was more teams that because pitching has gotten so good, that they just need guys that, that they're going to value uh, that trait over anything else. So in terms of the well-rounded, all-around, five-tool type player, forget it. Just give me the best hitters we can find because we can't we can't hit this pitching. So it, it's elevating a it's elevating a specific skill set. So I was thinking like in the NFL, like that's it's you know again go to pass rushers. Gosh, this guy's terrible against the run. You know what? We get other people to make the play on first and second down if they want to run the football. Like he, what he does is so valuable to us. I don't care. Like just give me all pass rushers, and you can even do that with defensive linemen. Like you're almost mm -hmm. just interior defensive linemen. I mean, you, you're almost daring somebody. Like, look, if they want to run the ball, you know, fifty times a game. Go ahead. Nobody does that. So I'd rather have four pass rushers up front, and it's almost you know, if you're looking at corners versus safeties, like. Screw it. I just want give me. You've talked about this before. Give me four corners, and I'll put two of them at safety. We'll figure it out. Oh well, no. I I think the game. Like here's what's funny, and uh, it's kind of the thing that's the misnomer when we're kids, right? When we're kids, they're like, oh, you got to be good at everything. You need to be able to have this. So in baseball, hey, you need to be a great fielder. You need to be a great hitter. You got to be able to throw. You got to do this. And really, the game, baseball, football, whatever, is really a game of specialists. Um, mm -hmm. Your elite coaches and scouts have the ability to identify what you do really well and to put you in a position where you're only asked to do those things. Um, I think football has become very much like that. You talked about pass rushers. And it used to be a time where we used to talk about guys, hey, man, how do they take on the run? Do they stack and shed? Can they hold the point? But if you're a guy that I see two, three years where you've had 10, 12 sacks, yeah, look, he, he doesn't play the run well, but what we have to do is he's a situational pass rusher, so we will create a role for them to do it. And so everybody has a role. And so so much of scouting is don't tell me what he can't do, tell me what he can do. And yeah. I think in baseball they use the term plus. He's a plus this, he's a plus fielder, plus bat, plus. Now you're looking for guys in football that are similar. Hey, yeah, I don't know about all that other stuff. But here's where he can come and play, and he's maybe the best in the country at this. And so when we take him, we know we're just going to ask, ask him to do these things, and he'll have success. So one of my close buddies, uh, uh, someone you know really well in the league, uh, he uses the phrase, he talks about the, you remember the Three Amigos, the movie The Three Amigos? Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, they're trying to figure out the villagers trying to figure out how they're going to you know, survive and like, how are we going to fight El Wapo? And he goes, <laughs> uh, he goes, uh, well, what, what are you guys known for? What do you do? And they're like, we can sew. And like, okay, we can work with that. Like, that's your, like, what's your one thing that you can do? Okay. You can sew. Like, that's why, you know, sometimes with quarterbacks, we use a term like what's a superpower, like Joe Burrow. Yes. 
Joe Burrow yes. doesn't have elite size. You know, he's a he's a he's a good athlete. I would say probably mm-hmm. a little bit above average athlete, um, but doesn't have a huge arm. His superpower is his vision. Like he's got x-ray vision to be able to see the field and, and see things and get the ball out uh, quickly. But when you have a guy that doesn't necessarily have that one super trait, um, that one special thing, what's that one thing that separates you? Then it becomes hard. It does become hard. And, and, and DJ, like, I, man, I love using the superpower uh, analogy because I, I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the blue quality. In scouting terms, we always talk about the blue quality. The blue, for, for those that are listening, the blue trait is like the elite trait. Like when we call a player uh, an elite player, he he, he is a color. He's got blue, blue ball skills. Yeah, yeah. Can't even say and, it with individual and so stuff. yeah, and so and so that's what we're looking for. What are the elite traits? What are the qualities that are going to give him an opportunity to be a special player in this league? And when you're talking about the top prospects, normally they have multiple, but it's one thing that you can define. Like, hey, this is his superpower. That's why the conversation for most of the spring with Mac Jones was so interesting compared to him and the rest of the guys that were valued at the top. With Trey Lance, the superpower was his running ability and the size. Justin Fields, you could say, very, very similar. The arm talent, Zach Wilson, it was the platform throws and the arm talent. Trevor Lawrence, it was so many different things. When it came to Mac Jones, it was what could you identify as his superpower? Is it his IQ? Is it his ability, like with accuracy, those things. And so that's what really separates at the top of the board those guys who really have a tool bit that is full of traits and powers that allow them to be very, very, very special. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's I think it's really fascinating when you kind of look at the parallels between the two sports. And I think we can learn from other sports. It's something we always try to do here, have these discussions. What can we glean from that and, and what can you pick up? You brought up an interesting point about um, the Angels and the Dodgers – Took 10 pitchers. There's been 10 rounds of the draft as we're recording this. Both both organizations, all pitchers, which, again, is another point. We used to bring this up with the Ravens, right? When the Ravens have a need, they double down. They double down. They've done, they've done it with tight ends. Um, they've done it with linebackers. You know, you can go kind of go all through their history. They, they have no problem doubling down on the same draft. Uh, look, I, I, I love it, and I never thought about it from a baseball perspective until I heard that thing about the Angels took all college pitchers to me, which are older, more experienced um, pitches would lead to another conversation, but to do it. So DJ is almost, uh, we think about pitching, the way the game is going in MLB. I mean, is the pitcher the most valuable position on the field when it comes to being able to determine whether you win or lose? In the postseason, that's it. Yeah, and so if the pitchers view like that, I guess that would make him the equivalent of a quarterback. So which teams are going to, continue to have the revolving door from a draft standpoint of, oh, every other year we're going to take a quarterback and we're going to take a good quarterback high. Like I know we clutched our pearls when the Green Bay Packers took Jordan Love in the first round. But in theory, if we always talk about this being the most important position, why wouldn't you invest in that position to make sure that you expend let's not say a first round pick, but maybe a second round pick because people got on the Eagles for, oh, why would they do that? It's the most important position. You want mm-hmm. to make sure that you not only have an A-level starter, but you want to have A-level potential in the bullpen to be able to pull up to the quarterback position. I think we should invest in the quarterback position. I think it's very, very interesting that in baseball that you're seeing some teams go all in on just trying to acquire as many pitches as they can. 
Yeah, I mean, you've, and you've you can also fail back at that position, right? So you draft a starter, and maybe doesn't cut it as a starter. You get another option with him as a reliever. You know, yes. it, it, to me, it's almost like when you talk about the corner position, you fail at corner. You know, we can we can give safety. you a chance at safety. Like there's safety. a there's a little Your bit goal, of a fallback there. Where we can create we can create other uh, opportunities. Doubling down though is really a wise strategy, because why kind of put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to one player filling a need? Why not give yourself multiple opportunities? And as you brought up the Ravens, the Ravens and wide receiver. This mm -hmm. year, Rashad Bateman, come back and get time with Wallace. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what they do. Like, I'm going to make sure that if we're going to commit to solving the, the problem, we're going to go all in to make sure that we solve it. Mm -hmm. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Um, all right. A couple of the topics I want to get to. Um, Opt-outs. We saw last year, obviously with the pandemic, it was a crazy year. We didn't know if there was going to be a season. There wasn't going to be one. Then there was going to be one. So it impacted so many different people. You had different health concerns and family concerns, which led to a lot of folks deciding not to play the college football season. And when you go back and look at it, Trey Lance, you know, only had that one game season, not his fault. They, they kind of moved their season to the spring. So you could technically call him an opt out because that, that was him. He ended up being the third pick. Um, Jamar Chase, um, LSU was the fifth pick. You've got Panay Sewell was the seventh pick. Micah Parsons uh, was the 12th pick. And Rashawn Slater was the 13th pick. All those guys opt-outs. That's two. That's five of the top 13 picks that we did not see play outside of one game for Trey Lance play football last year. So they obviously teams were comfortable with it right they those guys aced the spring they they put on phenomenal pro days um and found themselves in the top 15 and the top 13 actually of the nfl draft so i think people think okay pandemic um and all that the situation that we had last year it's totally different this year as we're recording this there are no opt-outs i'm not naive enough uh to believe that we don't have opt-outs i i would not be surprised at all if we get towards the start of training camp, which is a few weeks away. If one or you know one or two, however many of these players look at it and say, "Well, wait a second, I'm already viewed by the NFL as a top ten, top twenty pick." Now, there's not many of those guys that are in that conversation, but that might just have the conversation with their families and say, "Hey, I've got more to lose than to gain by playing." I'm not advocating that. I know you wouldn't advocate that. I hope these guys. It's a great experience. Play college football and. It's, it's great for everybody. It's great for you. It's great for your school. It's great for the NFL to get to a chance to evaluate you. But what I'm getting at, Buck, would you be shocked if over the next couple of weeks we heard about that? No, because in the last five years, we've seen a trend uh, of opt-outs. Now, it wasn't necessarily due to the pandemic, but let's go all the way back when Christian McCaffrey elected to skip the bowl game. Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, they missed the bowl game because they finished a regular season. They didn't want to risk injury. And so there was a little pushback initially when those guys made those decisions. Um, now we have seen in the middle of the season last year, guys, hey, I played a couple games. I got some film. Uh, 
my team's no longer in contention for maybe a playoff berth, uh, exit stage right. And so I would not be surprised to see a handful of players opt out either before the season or sometime during the season after they believe that they solidified their status, particularly some of the top picks. If you don't have an opportunity to play in the playoff and win the national championship game, I think some people are going to say it's not worth the risk. If I'm not playing for the big shiny ring, the big, big ring, I don't know if it's worth it for me to go through this and put myself in harm's way when I could potentially lose out on millions of dollars being a top pick. Here's the thing I would say from a school standpoint is I would point to Alabama. I just gave you those those five guys that ended up in the top 13. But if you look at all those Alabama guys, they they all came back and played, and I think they all helped themselves, you know, from where mm-hmm. they ended up going in the draft. When you look at, uh, obviously, you know, Waddle got hurt, but still he was out there. Uh, he ends up being the sixth pick. Devontae Smith really helped himself. Probably went from a late first rounder to the tenth pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Mac Jones obviously no, he was not going to opt out. He wasn't in that type of a situation. Alex Leatherwood launched himself to the 17th pick which is a surprise Mm -hmm. but hey he came back and played and ended up going way higher than anybody anticipated um and Najee went from probably a second round pick to a first round pick and Najee Harris so that would be the other side of the argument to say hey look these guys all came back they played we won a national championship had a great college experience they all ended up making more money uh, as a result I think it will be fascinating the five guys we mentioned that went in the top 13 keep an eye on how those guys play yeah, the opt-out we, guys, It didn't yeah. affect them. It didn't affect them where they got picked. But will it affect how they play this year? If they come out and all five of those guys ball out, watch out, Buck. Things are yeah. changing. Yeah, things will change. Here, here's what I do worry about because we always talk about football being a developmental sport where the only way that you can get better is by playing. Yeah. Those guys haven't played in well over a year. And so what does their football game look like? It's one thing to – show up in workouts and go through bag drills and do those things, simulated hand-to-hand combat. It's another thing to play and to play at the speed that the NFL is played at. This would be a big test. If they pass the test with flying colors, you absolutely will see other guys opt out because they say it doesn't mean anything. But if those guys don't play up to the standard, multiple guys that were opt-outs that don't play up to the standard, it will be another um, – reason or example why scouts and evaluators will say, hey, man, you need to play, you need to keep playing, not only so we can see you more often, so you can really develop your game. Yeah, keep an eye on injuries too, right? I mean, we've seen it with Major League Baseball, went from 60 games back to 162. We've seen a ton of injuries. It's a different type of a season. So now you're going to have in the NFL, you're going to have these guys, a, a group of guys that didn't play at all last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that includes some of the other uh, uh FCS kids that yeah. you know, that didn't have a season till the spring as they ended up getting picked without a season. And you're going to have guys like the Pac-12. I think Arizona State only played like four games or something like that last year. So you're yeah. going to jump from four games to 17 games in the NFL. Like that is a major, major difference, man. It is a major difference. And I, like I, I hear you. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about the tremendous jump that you have to make when you've played a full slate of college games and how much faster the game is in training camp. And then in the first preseason game, the first regular season game, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, how the speed and the intensity kicks up. I can't even imagine 
going out there, having been away from it, DJ. It's almost like, I don't know when was the last time you shot hoops, but imagine it being a year or two since you go out there and you mm-hmm. just jump out there and not only play pickup, but LeBron and the <laughs> Space Jam 2 crew is like, DJ, come join us. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, let me move around and kind of shake off and get that first shot. Like, that's what we're asking uh, these guys to do is to not only jump in, but to jump in at a higher level when you haven't been in the game for a long time. I'm, I think it would be a very – I won't expect any of those guys to hit the ground running just because I think it is such – a huge adjustment to just getting used to being able to be ready to play in the pro game. Yeah. Well, hopefully it ends better for them than it did for me because uh, <laughs> I tore my Achilles when I hadn't played basketball in a while. I went out there and played. So that was the end of, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know if you made a, a, a comeback since that point. I didn't know if <laughs> no, you, that's something you do. I didn't know. Once. What's the old phrase like? Uh, fool me once, shame yeah. on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like <laughs> I tear one Achilles. I'm not tearing two. Like that's, that's a lesson learned. I got a hoop in the backyard. I get jumpers. That's it. That's it. No pickup. It's all. It's all. It's all. It's all relegated. By, to by the way, is there anything? Is there anything worse than like the mid forties year old dude who gets out there and is like slapping the floor and like is is guarding you ninety four feet? Is there anything I mean, worse than that? I mean, no. But that part used to be fun. I just, I just miss it because man, it. it you play? Are played. you still playing? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> you I used to play like at a gym. Like I used to legit, love. Oh legit dudes. man, like I told you, my my claim to fame is having to guard Stefan Marbury one time <laughs> at a at a gym <laughs> out here in L.A. And Marbury is coming off of whenever he had double ankle surgery, right? And his first time yeah. back, and a guy on my team gets Marbury riled up, right? Oh, Talking no. to him or whatever. But yeah, now I got to pay for the sins of my father. Like I got to now I got to pay for it. And he is just, I mean, lighting it up. And I just remember being at a point like, yeah, this isn't a lot of fun. Like, this isn't a lot of fun, like, getting torched and pick up by an NBA player. But it was great seeing it. But no, I, DJ, I haven't played 10, 15 years. Like, And so then what happens is you have your injuries. Like, after the layoff and you hear about guys going back and getting hurt, I was like, well, I guess I've – I guess I missed my statute of limitations. Ships, like I can't, sailed. I can't, I can't go back because I'm not going to work myself back into shape to play pickup. Like it's, it's a done deal. But, so but to, the, the thing, the, the, the suck of it all is it like you can play basketball for three hours, right? I mean, and yeah. you've burned two thousand calories, and yeah. it's like it was fun. Yeah. Now nah, we get up and run, and like I, I ran this morning. I got my four miles in, Buck. It's not fun. There's nothing fun about it. It's a check-the-box operation. That is it. So it's funny. You talk about running. Um, when I was in Jacksonville a couple of weeks, I hadn't run where I had like a series of lower leg injuries and stuff. I feel like the old man now, right? And so I go, <laughs> I, run, I, run, I run in Jacksonville like four days. I run on the beach. I'm doing all this stuff. I feel great. DJ, my knee is just now beginning to feel okay after running. <laughs> Like that, like my, my left knee was going. So, and, and I'm talking to my dad, I'm like, is this it? I'm, I'm the guy that's never resigned to being, is. I'm yeah. the walker now. So yeah. now I, I walk and I'm walking three and a half miles and I'm doing that. And in, in uh, Santa Monica, there's a great set of stairs, right? It's 180 yeah. steps to four street stairs. Everyone goes, if you, if you ever do it, like it's, it's a great workout. So mm-hmm. that is, that is my high. I get my high off of walking up 
the Santa That's Monica great. stairs. Like, oh, yeah. I, I did it. I did it 11 times today. Like, look at me. Like, I'm, I'm a walker <laughs> guy. Like, I'm going to have to get those big old shoes, like rock ports and just walk around the neighborhood. Like, that's what I, I feel like. I feel like, walkers. I, I feel like my athletic, my athlete card has been officially swiped. Like, they've, they've taken it out my wallet. Hand that in. You're now a walker guy. Like, well, that's... I, the, well, the, I don't know what's worse, though, walking or whether you're running, right? And you feel like, I've got a nice stride going here. This <laughs> looks pretty good. You know, I'm in, I'm in a zone. And then all of a sudden, you see, like, the mom just go, zoom, like, just, just yeah. right past you. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. And she doesn't even look like she's going that fast. So what do I look like I'm, I'm doing here? That's discouraging. Discouraging, to say the least. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Um, all right, la last topic here before we bounce. Uh, I wanted to just just to kind of get you excited, Buck. I'm trying to fire you up for next year's draft class because we don't, you know, I've been doing this first look series. I know you you start mm -hmm. to dig in a little bit on these guys before the season starts, but this is the fun thing about the NFL draft is at this point in the process, before this college football season starts, there are so many guys that we aren't necessarily paying attention to that are going to end up being first round picks. And I wanted to go through last year's draft and just kind of give you the out of left field first round picks. So and we we knew and you especially from doing your stuff with the opening and with Nike like you knew who mm -hmm. some of these kids were coming up, you know, through through high school and in college, but we weren't thinking of these players as first round players at this point in time last year. So when you go through it, how about Zach Wilson from BYU? Um how about JC Horn? from uh, South Carolina was the eighth pick. Um, mm -hmm. Let's go, uh, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker. I, I did him the year before. I gave him a second round grade the year before. So that's not a huge surprise. Mac Jones going 15 last year at this time. Never would have saw it. Um, Zaven Collins wasn't, I personally wasn't familiar with him last year. The linebacker from, from Tulsa uh, at this point in time last year, didn't know much about it. Jalen Phillips. We knew as a big time recruit and the UCLA ended up in Miami, but, I mean, he played as well as any pass rusher in college football last year. Ended up being the 18th pick. Uh, Jamin Davis was a late riser there at Kentucky. Um, go through some of these other names here. Uh, Greg Newsom at Northwestern yeah. was the 26th pick. Peyton Turner from Houston was the 28th pick. Stokes from Georgia was the 29th pick. Um, the rest of those guys, I feel like we, you know, we knew the opt-out guys with Joe Tryon and, and uh, Jason Oway. But – that's a good number of names of guys who weren't. I mean, you might have known who they were a little bit, but we weren't thinking of these guys as first round picks last year at this time. No, they weren't household names. They weren't stars. And DJ, I think it continues to speak to what we talked about, the pros and cons of being an opt out. Football is a developmental sport where you have to get reps to develop and become a better player. The only way to acquire skills is through repetition. And so some of these guys who will be viewed as Johnny-come-latelys or one-year wonders were guys who really, the light went on. After years mm -hmm. of development on the practice field, they finally clicked and they started performing at a high level in games. 
you talked about all of it. Mac Jones being a guy who, look, he was the backup quarterback behind two guys that eventually went on to be top picks before he got his opportunity to be the starting quarterback. And when he got his opportunity, he took advantage of it. Um, I think if we go all the way back before, Joe Burrow. Joe mm-hmm. Burrow was another one that kind of came out of left field to be the number one overall pick. It is really important for us, just because we don't know the names, early in the year, you'll begin to see these things buzz up. I, I think, I remember, I can't remember if we texted or whatever, but one night, Zach Wilson was on, maybe it was a Friday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know shortly thereafter, we talked about like, hey, man, you seen the BYU kid? Yeah, like, he's pretty good. Like, yeah. like, I don't know who he is, but he's a pretty good player. And it's getting on those things at quarterback. Like right now, everyone's talking about the usual suspects, to Sam Howell, to Spencer Rattlers, Malik Willis' name is yeah. in that. But you know, there's, there's others that are coming, right? There's mm-hmm. there's someone that's off the radar or maybe we haven't fully talked about that is going to, was it Matt Carl, Matt Carell yeah. from yeah. Ole Miss, who Southern Cal, we know, because mm-hmm. remember Matt Olsen and Long Beach Poly and yeah. those things, but now he's beginning to bubble up at Ole Miss. He has a big year. Everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, we didn't know anything about him. And so there are other guys that are out there like that. It's a matter of in the first month of the season, trying to figure out, hey, man, who are these names that we need to begin to monitor as they get going down the stretch? Because that that's how it goes. That's how these guys kind of ride the magic carpet to being a number one pick out of nowhere. No doubt. Um, that's what makes it fun. Um, but this has been fun, man. I know it's a little bit of a, a shorter episode today, but hit some ground there on the draft. The parallels there between MLB uh, and the NFL and, and some good conversation there on opt-outs as well as these guys that are kind of coming out of left field. Uh, anything else you want to throw in here, Buck, before we bounce? No, no, no. Like we had a conversation. We were talking about MLB, and I was telling you, um, man, Khalil Watson, drafted by the Miami Marlins, played for my dad's How about that? team. He was a wide receiver who was really, really talented, but he was committed to go to NC State to play baseball. This guy goes in, I mean, early in the first 16th round. 16th pick, yeah. 16th pick, super athlete or whatever. I will say this, and this comes from watching a lot of the College World Series, uh, watching these teams that were in it, um, Mississippi State, Texas, Vanderbilt, some of these other schools. The game is trending more athletic than I ever can remember. Yeah. Um, my son is an aspiring baseball player. Like watching the game with him and just watching the changing dynamics. I know we spent the first part of it talking about it being a very skilled sport, but I feel like, particularly you being a Padres fan, we're seeing mm-hmm. more of those guys kind of make the way into the sport, and I absolutely love it because I think it will change the way the game is played at the upper levels. Yeah, it's a more it's an exciting brand of baseball to watch, uh, no doubt. So yeah, congratulations to your dad. So Dexter Lawrence, first round pick in football. Now we've got a first round pick in baseball. What what else does he have left to accomplish here? I, well, well, I don't know. He's, he's talking about riding off into the sunset. I don't I don't know. Like I, I will say this, DJ. You know North Carolina a little bit. I'm from Raleigh. I didn't grow up in Wake Forest. Wake Forest is like a few minutes out on the outskirts of town. Wake Forest is T-tiny. For Wake Forest yeah. to all of a sudden have this pipeline because Bryce, Bryce Love also played. Like, I uh, don't know what's in the water down there, but I need to go and make sure I take a couple of jugs and bring it back because it's yeah, a ton of talent coming that. out there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe our knees will feel better if we get some of that water. 
<laughs> That'll help us out a little bit. A little water and Chick-fil-A. A little water, a little Chick-fil-A. To make I think it, I'm going to have Chick-fil-A for lunch, speaking of which. Uh, all right. That's been fun. I appreciate you guys hanging with us today. hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you again here shortly. Another podcast coming this week where we've got an outstanding guest. I'll just tease it. Uh, one of the top college football coaches in the country is going to join us on our next episode. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.